Hi, we're Steve and Cindy Wright with Marriage Missions International, and this is our monthly Marriage Insight podcast. Now, we haven't been able to do this for quite a while because of everything that's been going on in our lives personally and a lot of what's been going on in the world. So I think you can understand the pressures that have been applied to all of us. So it's really nice for us to be back. And we have a really great topic we're going to be covering this time on the podcast. It's called Creatively Reframing Our Marriages. Now, the point that we want to get across is, what if the fairy tale story of Cinderella and Prince Charming would have been true? Now, maybe some of you don't know the story of Cinderella and Prince Charming, but it's a fairy tale. It's a love story, and it's really far-fetched. It's nice, but it's far-fetched. In the end of it, they said, and they lived happily ever after. But if you really look at it because of the fairy tale-ish beginning part of it, do you think they really would have lived happily ever after? You know, it's a nice thought to think that they would have, and I wish that they would. But sadly, in reframing this love story, the answer probably would have been no. The happily wouldn't have been forever if they didn't make the wise choices to continue to nurture and grow their love. You know, just because we marry, it doesn't mean that our future together is going to be a good one. There's a fascinating book that came out a while ago. It's titled, When Prince Charming Falls Off His Horse, Keeping the Happily Ever After in Your Marriage. And it's written by Jerry and Judy Schroer. And they wrote about this issue. It's a fascinating book because it points out the many problems that actually Cinderella and Prince Charming would have encountered in their future. I mean, there's a lot of things you don't really think about, like when his kiss no longer revives you or when he wasn't what you thought he would be, those types of things. We never really think about this when we read that story. But it's also true of us when we marry. We think that the happily of our love story will just keep growing. Steve and I actually really thought that we would just show other people how to do it right without tending to our marriage. And it did not work. We had to learn to do the hard work of growing our marriage too. Because that's fairy tale thinking and thinking that we don't have to put anything more in. It's just going to grow. Love doesn't just naturally grow without tending to it. We have to be intentional to bridge and find ways to marry our differences together so that they don't separate us. Many of these differences were hidden before we married each other. And there's different reasons for that. We can go on to so many different reasons and people feel deceived, but a lot of them we didn't even know about. But as they emerge, we can begin to view our spouse much differently than we did ever before. And this can lead to a lot of negative feelings, a lot of fights and everything. It can even lead to contempt where you see each other as sinister. And we touched on this point in a previous marriage insight titled, The Acid of Contempt Can Kill Marriages. It can and it often does. Now, one of the things in that particular marriage insight we touched on was one of the antidotes, and that's the one that we're going to explore further in this marriage insight. We believe it can help us to empty out some of that acid. It's not the only tool we should use, but it is a tool that we can use, and it's termed reframing. Now, reframing may be a term that uh, you're not familiar with, and it's something really Cindy and I have just started exploring ourselves. Now, it's stuff that we've been doing a lot in our marriage, but we never really heard the term until recently, and we think it's a great concept to get across because it's so strong. Well, here's what Carter McNamara, how he defines this. He calls it 
Reframing is seeing the current situation from a different perspective. This can be tremendously helpful in solving problems, making decisions, and learning. When people get stuck in a recurring issue, it is rarely because they are missing a certain step-by-step -step procedure to fix things. Instead, as he says, it is often because they are stuck in how they see the situation. Then Daniel Dashnaw expands on this issue a bit further when he says, when you change your point of view and come up with a new and different meaning to your partner's behavior, you create a space for change to happen. Now this can seem a bit confusing, so we want to go in and explain a little bit more. What does reframing involve? Speaker and podcaster Brandy Lust gives this explanation. She says, it means seeing one another, the relationship, and even ourself with new eyes. And this is not easy. And it might also mean seeing some bad stuff one might rather avoid like in oneself or in the other person. It also means growing in ways that are not very comfortable. And we'll go a little bit more into this as we go along. Uh, here's a portion of the book of Prince Charming Falling Off His Horse that Cindy was talking about. This is Jerry and Judy that wrote on this issue. And this is what they said. Many of the choices that we make in marriage are tough ones. We can choose commitment in the face of a desire to run away. We can choose understanding when it is we who crave to be understood. Also, we can be afraid that after we do all the right things, there will be no fun and there will be nothing left but the hard work of staying married. That's a myth, by the way, okay? <laughs> But that isn't necessarily the case. You can choose creativity. Creativity is a vital component of any growing marriage. In choosing creativity, we add some of the excitement back into those years that have worn away. And we don't try to infatuate ourselves, but rather we take what we have, look at it differently, add something new, and together make something different very exciting. Choosing creativity, they go on to say, means choosing to change your view of your relationship. Make a note there, okay? You, in fact, if you're taking notes, write this down. <laughs> choosing creativity means choosing to change your view of your relationship. When we decide to change our perspective, we need to begin to accentuate the positive. Many of us are in the habit of finding what is wrong, with our marriage partners, and we spend way too much energy letting them know where they fall short. Now, when we creatively rework our marriages, we start by looking for the good in our marriage, and we look for the good in our partner. Now, to better illustrate what creative reframing entails, Cindy and I will share a few testimonies where spouses use this method in conflict situations that they had with their spouse. And we'll also include a few examples of our own. We thought this might personalize it a little bit. Maybe you can in some way understand or feel united with this person and think, oh, okay, if they can do it, I can do it too. Well, Lydia Sohn, in an article that she wrote titled, How One Word Transformed My Marriage, writes about this really tough 
rough season that she and her husband went through in their marriage. And there's hardly anybody that doesn't go through that time. But this was a really rough one. And it was during that time that she prayed and asked God for wisdom. It was so tough that she asked God, should she leave her husband, James? She asked God to tell her what to do. And then she wrote something that most of us can relate to this. She said, usually there was nothing but silence on the other end, but on rare occasions, I would hear one word whispered to me over and over again. Have you ever prayed and experienced that silence? Just keep praying. So she said, on that rare occasion, I would hear one word whispered to me over and over again. When I quieted my mental chatter to journal, sit in silence and go for a long walk, I heard it and it was the word gift. James was my gift. How in the world could that be? This person who didn't tell me that I looked pretty when I was dolled up for a night out, this person who left dirty clothes all over the house and they had three toothbrushes crammed into our toothbrush holder because he kept losing and finding them. How could this be a gift? Can you associate with this? (laughs) I sure can. Lydia then tells of her struggle to look at her husband as a gift, and she did struggle with it, especially when she's angry. And that's the thing that we all can associate with. When we're angry, that's the last thing we want to do is look at our spouse as a gift from God or as God's child. We look at them completely the opposite. But then she writes the following benefit she discovered in reframing the way she views her husband, James. She said, obviously, this method may not work for everyone, especially people who are in genuinely abusive relationships. They may have one that um, causes other types of very, very serious problems. But if your situation resembles dissatisfaction, it's worth taking time to consider whether it's an invitation for greater intimacy, fulfillment, and self-healing. As for James and me, Our conflicts have by no means vanished. However, the nature of our arguments has altered tremendously. I used to see conflicts as red flags and engaged in them with one foot in the door and one foot out of the door. I now view them, again, reframing, I now view them as opportunities. My whole self is present. She got a lot of that bad self-talk out and instead she's using good self-talk and she says, my whole self is present, committed and willing to be changed by this marriage. Now remember our topic uh, this month is creatively reframing our marriages. And Jerry Schurer, one of the authors of this book that we've been sharing about, tells a true story that a friend shared with him who expands the point the following way. I realized that I'd come to the place where I expected Sandy to annoy me. So I was looking for those things. It was as if I didn't expect to like her anymore. And besides, it was easier to blame her for the lack of feelings I had toward her. So I continued to look at her with a mixture of contempt and disgust. One day, she stopped fighting back and told me, I can't ever please you, so why should I even try? I thought about that for a while, and I started to notice little things that she did well, like how good she was with the kids. I also noticed how kind she was to me when I was overworked. Plus, I noticed how she didn't complain about my parents. 
I began to spend more time thinking about those qualities, and before I knew it, I liked her again. Together, with the help of a counselor, we began to look for the good things in our marriage. The poison that had seeped into our lives has almost disappeared. And then Jerry says this, Changing our perspective also involves something that's key to creatively remaking our marriages. We need to reframe our negative situations or negative character qualities. Now, here's an important point that Jerry makes. Reframing means placing a new frame around the same picture. The frame changes the setting for the picture and gives it a different look. It doesn't change the picture itself. It changes the way we look at the picture. Plus, it changes our interpretation and our perception of that picture. Now, we're not talking about going into la-la land and taking an abusive situation and reframing it in our head. That's completely different. There are times we need to speak truth to each other in love. There are times we need to face each other and really talk through the, the issues in real ways. But we are saying as a normal type of thing, instead of looking at each other in ways that he's trying to get at me in some way, and we'll explain that later a little bit. Instead, we we try to look for the positive and reframe it. And I've done this in my own life. I know it works. Well, on this same issue, Judy talks about this, and she's one of the authors of the book. She says, reframing is a key element in reworking our marriage. You may have a hard time believing it, but Jerry isn't perfect. Some of his negative qualities really bother me. But she goes on to say, instead of concentrating on the negative, I try reframing it. I look at it from a different perspective. One example is that Jerry loves to spend money. Tomorrow is a long way away for Jerry, but I think about it often and I want to save for the future. We could, and we have, in fact, argued long and hard about our differences in this area. But many years ago, I began to see Jerry's spending habits differently. First, I noticed that he gave a lot of money away, so he wasn't irresponsible. In fact, he was rather generous. I also noticed how he liked to help people in small ways by taking them for dinner with us or buying a part for their car and little things like that. So instead of seeing him as irresponsible, I began to admire his generosity to others. It literally changed the way I viewed him. We've, we talk on our website. We have places in our website on financial things in marriage. And yes, it can be really problematic. So again, it's not glossing over everything and making it look like a fairy tale. When you have problems, you need to discuss them. But on the other hand, it's not all bad. And that's what she did is she started to reframe and go, wait a minute, he's not all bad in the way that he spends. We've got some groundwork here and we can use this. Jerry also went on and added another example. He said that reframing doesn't mean, just as Cindy said, that we gloss over areas that need work. It means that we try to look at the behaviors and situations in a new light. We try seeing a positive in them and then change our perspective. When we choose creativity, 
we choose to build our own model. It doesn't have to conform to our friends or family's ideas of what a marriage ought to be. It's our model and yours alone. Here's an alert. Jerry's going to myth bust here. He's going to bust a myth with this next statement. Too many times we long for a marriage that never was. A golden time when we were blissfully happy and the real world would never intrude on our marriage. The truth is that time probably never existed. Time has obscured the images of the past. And when you compare your life now with your life, then now seems wanting. And then he says this, but my guess is that it never was perfect. And yearning for a return to those days doesn't help the both of you build a better relationship in the here and now. We want our marriages to be fresh and exciting. When you shift your paradigm, when you throw out the old model of what a marriage was supposed to be and create something new, you can find a new excitement and satisfaction. Here's a few points that he makes on this. Dream with your spouse about what your marriage would be like if you could build it from scratch. Talk about how it could be if everything you liked about it now was even better. And then try to visualize the picture in your mind. Share that dream and then work toward it together. Those are really, really good points. And if you need to back this up a little bit and listen to them again, because these are points again that Steve and I have used. There are so many examples Steve and I could both give you on ways that we've reframed negative situations. We didn't even realize it was called reframing, but we did. And we learned this as they arose. And here's just a few of them. And it's hard to pick out one or two here or there. Some of them are pretty personal. So, you know, we were, we're not going to share that. For me, using humor has been a great reframing tool. Oftentimes, I'll start to react negatively to a marital situation. But then the idea comes to me to use humor to make my point instead. And I started to learn this through Dr. Kevin Lehman, who Steve used to work with. And he talked about this. He said, we're just too serious sometimes in marriage. Before marriage, we have fun with each other. And then after marriage, we get too serious. It's like everything is just a big thing. And he said, sometimes when it first hits you, instead of going that yelling route or that negative route, instead use it in a humorous way. Now I'm not talking about demeaning humor. This is not what Kevin Lehman says, and this is what we're not talking about demeaning humor. There's a mean-spirited, teasing, sarcastic type of humor that we can use that will hurt our spouse. We've seen it. We've been with others when they've done it with each other, and you just kind of want to tiptoe away. Well, that's the way other people feel when you do that in front of them too. That is not the type of humor we're talking about. I'm talking about making light of a situation. It catches Steve off guard when I do it. And I can understand why, because I'm, <laughs> I can get pretty serious sometimes. He expects me to get mad about something, but when I use humor instead, his defenses go down. And actually, we start laughing about things. I was trying to think of some different things that we have laughed about and how we've used humor in different ways, um, that I've used humor in different ways. And one of them occurred to me of one that happened a long time ago. And this was Steve used to be real resistant on eating healthy. He grew up where it was, you know, meat and potatoes, meat and potatoes, meat and potatoes. And if he had time for a vegetable, he would do it. But eventually, 
I was, you know, I'd been reading a lot about things like that and knew that we needed more vegetables. And so kind of tried to get him to eat some more vegetables and he was resisting it. And salads, when I would say, he'd go, no, 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 not too much salad, not too much salad. And I remember one day that um, he did that to me. I was making salads and he said, oh, that's just too much. That's too much. I need a smaller bowl than that. And he walked away, and my first thought was I wanted to say, Steve, you know you need more fiber. You know you need, you know, instead, I thought of that of using humor. So what I did was I went into the cupboard, and I got a real small little bowl, and I put it there next to my bigger bowl, and I started putting the salad together. And Steve came into the kitchen, and he looked at it. We both burst out laughing. We knew exactly that I went to the extreme because this thing couldn't hardly hold two leaves of lettuce but you know just by doing that I was making my point and we both burst out laughing and I looked at him and I put my arms around him and I said Steve I don't want to be your mom in this way I just want you healthy that's all you know I need you to stretch yourself to grow outside your your comfort zone I want to live the rest of my life with you can you just try to go with the salads a little bit more than that and so he said, yeah, yeah. He, he could see my point because he knew there was love behind it. I had used it with humor. And instead of going that route of neck, do you need more of that? He really accepted it in a good way. And then after that, he was actually quite good about it. So that's one of the ways in which using humor can be a good reframing tool when it's used appropriately. Sometimes you have to talk seriously, but sometimes you can use that. We can't always use this reframing tool, but when we do, it can work effectively and it can be fun too, because then we, we can talk about serious things in a much uh, less defensive way. Another tool that I use is trust. I used to think that Steve did a lot of aggravating things just to get at me. My view of many of his actions was skewed by my own interpretation of it. So Steve, you know, I would accuse him of something and he would swear to me, I didn't do that just to irritate you, but I was sure that he was more sinister than that. I was sure I knew what he was thinking. I was sure I knew the motives behind that. He should just know that this would irritate me, but he didn't. He didn't. Time after time again, I would say he really didn't. He was actually clueless as to why I was irritated about this. And sometimes he thought his actions were funny, like jumping out and surprising me. That's boy humor. He, you know, guys like to be surprised. I didn't think that was funny at all. And he needed to learn that I didn't see that as funny. You know, sometimes we have to just go, okay, he sees humor a different way than I do. I see humor a different way than he does. I see things. Somehow we have to work on trusting each other that it's okay to be different and he may not be as sinister as I think he is. So sometimes that's an important thing is just to trust about this. Other times he would just be himself. Some things that I think are important, he doesn't. And when I would get mad about something, he'd say or do something and he'd be surprised that I would be irritated about that. But after learning about the different temperaments through taking the temperament analysis test, and if you can do that, we've got some things on our website about that. But boy, did that help us because we discovered that we each approach life from different vantage points. And I could go on and on about that. But 
essentially, Steve is more laid back than I am. Some things just don't bother him that bother me and vice versa. And learning this has helped me to trust him more, that he isn't doing this just to irritate me. That's just the way he's wired. He needs to stretch more to help me. And I need to, to just lay back a little bit more. And after lots of discussions and things we've learned about each other, God has impressed on me to listen to his explanations and not prejudge. And that's really hard as spouses. We can get into that prejudging thing. Instead, listen to Steve's explanations. Pray asking God for a discerning heart and trust his motives. This type of reframing, and I'll say it again, to listen, pray, and trust your spouse's motives. That has helped our relationship so much, and it can help yours too. One of the reframing tools that has helped me and ultimately us in our marriage is that I had to get rid of my negative self-talk. This was important in our marriage because I had convinced myself that I was a poor communicator. Now, this is going to sound really strange when I explain, because I could talk fine on the radio. For most of our married life, I talked on Christian radio. I was in Christian radio for 38 years for a living. But I was never confident of engaging in long conversations with Cindy. I was afraid to engage in any deep conversations out of a fear that I would look stupid. And yes, I agree that this doesn't really make any sense at all, but it was real to me. However, if I was going to meet Cindy's need and mine to grow our marriage, I needed to stop feeding my negative self-talk. And that wasn't me by nature, especially in this area. But then one year, Cindy and I went away on vacation alone. And she brought along a book called 201 Great Questions. And I was just sweating bullets when I saw that book because I knew she was expecting that we were going to spend time in this cottage talking back and forth, trying to communicate. And I'm thinking, oh boy, here we go. I know she's going to, there's going to be a question in that book that I'm not going to know the answer to. And I'm going to wind up looking like an idiot. So when we got the book out, I purposed beforehand, though, I told myself, this is where I, I started to get rid of the negative self-talk. I told myself, you know, Steve, this is important to Cindy, and it's important for our marriage. You can do this. So she got the book out, and we started with fairly simple questions. There was no math, no science. <laughs> so we started asking, she started asking questions out of this book, and it was really a good book, great, great questions. And within a short period of time, I started to relax. I started to feel comfortable, and I felt really good about talking back and forth. And Cindy and I, literally on that vacation, spent hour after hour after hour going back and forth asking these questions. So Not all in a row. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not all in a row. We did do other things, too, on the vacation, some really fun things, too. But anyway, that's another story. But so we asked the questions. But by the end of that vacation in that time, I thought, you know, this is really cool. And I couldn't get enough of it. 
And I felt really good, like we had connected in a way that up until that point in time, I felt close to Cindy before, but I felt even closer because of this. Well, even to this day, when we go out to restaurants to have dinner, Cindy will often drop some questions in her purse uh, from, a, from a book or something. And while we're waiting for our food to come, there's actually um, little sets of conversational cards that, that they have on the internet and everything that you can come out with. And we'll just We'll just bring those with us. And we'll sit back and forth and ask ourselves these questions and answer them. And it really is a good way to connect. So ultimately what it boils down to is that when I did this, the results were phenomenal. And I just love talking with Cindy now and we have a great talking relationship. Now as we look at this whole issue, it's important to note that reframing our thoughts and actions in times of conflict will require that we make some bold choices. We're prone to sin. We're prone to think and do things that we shouldn't. We're prone to be selfish. He should do it my way. It's the right fighting kind of thing. I'm right and you're wrong. It should be this way. But instead, we need to marry our differences. We need to take our differences and find ways that we can have some commonality there that it's workable for us. So instead of allowing ourselves to fall into times of stinking thinking or poor behavior, we need to instead make the bold choice to approach the situation in healthier ways. Hopefully your spouse is going to want to participate with you in this mission, but even if he or she won't, it's the right thing for you to do. Work on your stinking thinking, your poor behavior. I'm not talking about enabling poor behavior on the other part, but what you do, you stand and make sure that you do it without judgment. Now that's the hard thing, without judgment saying, well, I'm better than he is because I'm reframing and he isn't. No, there's no room for pride here either. As I said, even if he or she won't, it's the right thing to do. You don't have to go down a stupid route just because your spouse does. Refrain from going down a negative route and then reframe as you believe God would have you. That's an important thing to reframe as you think God would have you. So in closing, we want to give you an example, one of many, where God calls us to do some reframing work within our minds. If you think this isn't a biblical concept, think again, because in God's word, we are told in Philippians 4 verses 8 and 9, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Now that is just one of many, many, many verses throughout the Bible. You will see that God tells us to reframe things that we might have an impulse to say something, but not to say it in anger, not to do it in certain ways, not to be contemptuous, to be kind. Sometimes you don't feel like being kind, but we're told to be be kind. So how do we do that? We have to reframe. We have to rework our minds and our actions to do things. And then eventually our feelings lots of times will come along with it. So it is a biblical concept. Cindy, in my prayer for you is that God would bless you as we participate together in this mission of loving our spouse as God does. 
and to reframe things the way that he would want us to. As we conclude this Marriage Insight, we want to remind you that if you would like to hear other podcasts of Past Marriage Insights, or if you're looking for more help for your marriage, just go to the website. It's marriagemissions.com. And Cindy and I also wrote the book called Seven Essentials to Grow Your Marriage. It's available both in electronic and print form. For more information on all of this, just go to our website. It's marriagemissions.com. And until the next Marriage Missions Insight podcast, we're Stephen Cindy Wright, hoping you'll make it your mission to reveal and reflect the heart of Christ within your marriage.